Well, my friend, have you ever been called a legalist? Let's ask this question. Is one a legalist who is simply trying to live according to God and His Word? Well, let's answer some questions today about legalism. And that's coming up from the International Gospel Hour. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Jay Webb for International Gospel Hour. We're so glad you've decided to listen to our program today. In a world of challenges, we need God's Word to help us face those challenges. Thank you for joining us in this period of Bible study with our speaker, Jeff Archie, of International Gospel Hour, a broadcast of the Churches of Christ. Let's listen now. Here's Jeff. Well, greetings, everyone. Great to have you with us today for our studies from the International Gospel Hour as we consider a subject ahead, the subject of what is legalism. Before we get into that, i like to pause and always give a nod and thank you to our J-Webb, our announcer, who you will hear throughout our broadcast with the things that we offer here from International Gospel Hour absolutely free. We're grateful for our weekly studies, this being a longer version of our broadcast, and we're grateful that we can deal with matters a little bit more in-depth, if you will, and questions that need that extra time. Today, again, we're going to talk about what is legalism. Well, let's define it. According to dictionaries, how about a strict adherence or the principle of strict adherence to law or prescription, especially to the letter rather than the spirit? In the realm of theology, it is the doctrine that salvation is gained through good works. Random House Dictionary says it is the judging of conduct in terms of adherence to precise laws. And as we noted earlier, but also affirmed through WordNet Dictionary, strict conformity to the letter of the law rather than its spirit. I find this interesting from Wikipedia how they define legalism in the realm of theology, a term referring to an improper fixation on law or codes or conduct or legal ideas, usually implying an allegation of pride and the neglect of mercy and ignorance of the grace of God. Simply put, legalism is belief stated or supposedly implied that law, not faith, is the preeminent principle of redemption. Now, these definitions allow us to to get a focus on how easy it is to be a legalist and how sometimes, friends, well, You know, the accusation is thrown toward members of the Church of Christ, it seems, left and right. Now, friends, I have come to a conclusion. There are those who throw such accusations out there, accusing others of being a legalist, that do not have the slightest idea what they are talking about. Now, friends, I mean that as gracious as I possibly can, but I want to be as honest and clear as I can be. And I trust that our study of Scripture will bring matters as this to a better understanding. I mean, wherever there is no argument, sometimes name-calling begins, such as, well, you're a legalist, or other terms may be brought up. Friends, you know, we see this from the so-called upstanding political commercials during election time, as grown, educated individuals, men and women, and their representatives 
to be very honest, act like schoolyard children. Well, the term legalist will fly around quite loosely, so what we're going to do is we're going to build off the definitions we noticed earlier and examine this study by using two lengthy contexts of Scripture. Romans three nineteen through 28 and one not as lengthy, but just as powerful, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. What is legalism? We'll begin this study in about 30 seconds. Hello, friends. Miss a broadcast of Are You Listening? You can find previous broadcasts at our website, internationalgospelhour.com, and we are on several podcast platforms. Maybe we are on your favorite podcast site. Just search for International Gospel Hour, and you can find previous broadcasts. They are always there 24-7 for you to listen or even to download. And now, let's continue our study. And friends, might I add, not only is our full-length weekly broadcast, of which you are listening, available, but our daily 13-minute broadcasts are available as well. You can also access our programs at our website, internationalgospelhour.com, that our audio and video as well. What is legalism? Let's consider one of the definitions a little earlier. Legalism is a strict conformity or adherence to the letter of the law rather than its spirit. Well, when we see that word conformity or conformed, that word is defined to make of like form with another person or thing to render like, to fashion or shape one thing like another. Now, that definition is from Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words. All right. Do we conform with Christ? Well, yes, we do. Are we to be fashioned like Christ? Yes, we are. Romans 8.29, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Romans 12.2, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What about what Paul said in Philippians 3, 10 and 11, when he said concerning Christ, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Now, friends, to be conformed to Christ? Absolutely. Now, concerning the letter of the law rather than its spirit, would you think with me for a moment of Romans 3, verses 19 through 28? Now, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to read a little, then I'm going to comment a little. Verses 19 through 21 as we begin, Romans 3. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Now, dear friends, from these three verses, it's not the law of Moses that we continue under that we were to ever be under. The righteousness of God is what's brought forth to be made manifest. 
We learned earlier in Romans 1 and verse 17, and going back to verse 16 of the gospel, Therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. For as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So through the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, its good news and its teaching, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 2, the righteousness of God is brought forth or made manifest. When I see that word manifest, I always think about my career with a major company that when there was a delivery made, not only did the individuals sign for the delivery, but they also signed the driver's manifest, a summary affirming that this had been delivered. And if there was any question, we would always reach for the manifest. It was the proof. It was brought forth or proven, yes, this was delivered, and here's who signed it. Well, when we think of the righteousness of God, it was brought forth or proven by the law itself and the prophets, and it's all there. And now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. It's brought forth through the gospel. Now, verses 22 and 23. Even the righteousness of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference... For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now note, friends, the phrase, by faith of Jesus Christ. The justification in Christ and the sanctification through Christ. Galatians 2.16 says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. And there is no difference, because all have sinned. And so we understand it's by the faith of Christ. It's not by the works of the law of Moses. Now we go back to verses 24 through 26 of Romans 3. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith, to demonstrate His righteousness, because in His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed, to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now, friends, the redemption, a word that means to be released by payment of a ransom, The redemption that's in Christ is the same as the faith of Christ, His grace. And friends, we accept all, not part of what God or Christ has done for us. God sent forth Christ so everyone can know that Christ is the propitiation through faith in His blood, Ephesians 1.7. And God justifies the one that believes in Jesus, in the faith of Christ, in the redemption of Christ. Friends, are you noting so far that we are dependable or we are depending on Christ, for He is dependable. We are depending on Christ for our salvation, that we can do all kind of works and do everything in the world, but we're not obedient unto Christ and believe in Him, and respond to Him in obedience through repentance, through confession, through baptism that adds us to the church, 
then friends, we're missing it. And then in verses 27 and 28 of Romans 3, Paul says, What is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Or of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, you just said, whoa, whoa. Law of faith? Mr. Archie, did you just say law? Well, yes, friends, and here's the conclusion. A man is justified by faith, that being that same law of faith, apart from the deeds of the law. And I love the way Robertson's word pictures defines this. When a man is justified by faith, the principle of faith in harmony with God's love and grace. And friends, there's your spirit of the law. You see, the law of faith is also referred to as the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 2 through 7. The law of faith is also referred to as the law of Christ, Galatians 6 and verse 2. The law of faith is also referred to as the law of liberty, James 1 and verse 25. Simply put, dear friends, one who is obedient to the commands of God is not a legalist. One should conform to Christ by the law of faith, the law of Christ, the law of liberty, the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus. One should conform to Christ by the law of faith that reflects both letter of the law and the spirit of which it's brought forth. Friends, that's easy to grasp. And when you and I look at the difference of the law of Moses and the law of Christ, there is no doubt which law we would desire to be under. After all, friends, let's look at the world itself or the laws of which, where you live. There are certain laws and guidelines that we are to abide by for the safety and the good of all. When we are to be conformed to Christ and to adhere to His Word, yes, we do embrace law, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. There it is, folks. Romans 8, verses 2 through 7 deals with this. The law of Christ, the law of liberty. Dear friends, when we hold to the letter of the law, we also embrace the spirit of the law, because in Christ Jesus is where it all happens. You see, friends, when I'm placed in Christ, and it's interesting to see how one is able to get into Jesus Christ. One gets into Christ when one is baptized into Christ. That's Galatians 3, 26 and 27, and that is Romans 6, 3 through 6. In a conversation and study one time, I mentioned that the only way one could get into Christ is to be baptized into Christ. And one gentleman who was nearby as I was studying with his wife searched and pulled up on his phone into Christ. And it was affirmed from Romans 6, 3 through 6, and from Galatians 3, 26 and 27, where one is baptized into Christ. Now, adhering to that does not make one a legalist. 
It's responding by faith and obedience to the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The law of Christ, the law of liberty. We're going to deal with a second definition in a moment from Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10, as we examine what is legalism. But first, I go back to our J-Web with a few words about our work here at International Gospel Hour. Since 1934, the International Gospel Hour has been heard over the radio, and to God be the glory. We are blessed to remain on the air through gracious giving of congregations of Churches of Christ, faithful Christians, and devoted friends. That's why you will never hear us asking for money from you, our listeners. Our offers of material and study aids are absolutely free. We want you to grow in the knowledge of the Word of God. Thank you always for listening. What is legalism? Let's look at a second definition. Implying an allegation of pride and the neglect of mercy and ignorance of the grace of God. Well, friends, in other words, an individual is going to rely upon themselves more than the mercy and the grace of God. Now, when we think about that phrase, allegation of pride, an allegation is an assertion made with little or no proof. It's a statement not yet proven, statements affirming or denying certain matters of fact that you are prepared to prove, all right? Then one must bring forth his or her proof of the matter. One cannot have pride in one's salvation by himself. When the law of faith in Christ is the redeeming, justifying power. As Paul said in Romans 3.27, such boasting is excluded. Now, friends, are we ignorant of the grace of God? Well, absolutely not. Such was established moments ago from Romans 3. But might we also mention of God's grace from Titus 2.11-14? The Bible says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that. What is it teaching? What is God's grace instructing? Here we go. Denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Now, that's interesting. You see, when folks say it's salvation by works alone or salvation by works, that's not the case. Individuals that are zealous for good works are individuals who have responded through salvation in Christ to the grace of God. The grace of God teaches us what to deny it teaches us how to live, and it teaches us how to look and how to act. Friends, sometimes we look at the grace of God and we think, well, we'll sit there and it'll just come upon us. But dear friends, the grace of God is much more than that. It teaches, it instructs. And when we think about our lives and the grace of God, folks love to go to Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, and we can go there as well. Because he tells these Christians at Ephesus, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, 
not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, friends, we are thankful for God's mercy and grace that was patient with us before and is patient with us after we walk in Him. I think of Second Peter 3 and verse 9, how the Lord is not slack concerning His promise of return, as some men count slackness, but He is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. We're thankful for God's mercy and grace. And when one sees the grace of God, the faith of Christ, and the works of man, well, friends, one does not nullify the other. We are saved by God's grace through our faith and obedience to Him into the faith of Christ. And our works simply affirm our faith as taught in other texts such as Philippians 2, 12-17 and James 2, verses 14-26. through 26. I think about what a friend of mine from days gone by, Lee Hodges, once said, having seen Lee in a number of years. But I heard him say one time, works are what a saved man does, not what a man does to be saved. So true. I mean, after all, these very Ephesian brethren, of whom we're reading of in Ephesians 2, who were saved by grace through faith, what did they do? Well, earlier in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 13, we know that they heard the gospel and believed in Christ. When we go to Acts twenty twenty one, they repented of their sins. In Acts 19, verse 18, they would confess their faults. They were baptized, friends, Acts nineteen five. I appreciate Mark Copeland's thoughts on this as he looked at their faith together with the working of God is how we were raised with Christ in baptism. That's Colossians 2 and verse 12. In other words, it is an obedient faith that receives the salvation in Christ, Hebrews 5, 9. When a person in faith is being baptized, they are not earning their salvation. They are receiving their salvation, which is by God's grace and God's working. For in baptism, they are receiving Christ Jesus and all he accomplished by his death and resurrection. And that takes us back to Galatians three twenty-six and 27. Now, as far as the workmanship of Christ... They were defined, or the workmanship, a manufactured product still being manufactured, or they were created unto good works. Now as they are saved, their works will express their faith in Christ. They're going to glorify the Father with their behavior before others, Matthew 5.16. They're going to consider one another unto love and Good works, Hebrews 10.24. And as we noted moments ago from Titus 2.14, they are now zealous of good works. I like the following words that encourage us as his workmanship that goes like this. I will not work my soul to save, for that my Lord has done, but I will work like any slave for love of God's dear Son. We are slaves or servants of Righteousness, Romans 6, verses 16 through 18. Thus, friends, our salvation is by the grace of God in obedience to the faith, the law of faith, in accepting what Christ has done for mankind. And there is no neglect when one is obedient. 
Am I a legalist in this regard? Dear friends, absolutely not. Now, I'm sure we may have talked about some things that you're thinking, "Mm, I need to think on that a little bit more. Well, friends, that's why we offer Bible studies in between broadcasts, as we say, or Bible studies that are available by the U.S. Mail. That's right, folks, and we'll send you one free. Here is our J-Web with those details. Friends, the International Gospel Hour offers for free a Bible study course available by mail. That's right. At your own pace, you can study the Bible in your own home. It's free. Give it a try. Please call toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988 and leave your name, address, and just say, Home Study. That's it. You may also go to our website at internationalgospelhour.com, click on the Contact tab, and leave us the same information, name, address, and type Home Study in the message box. We'll send it right away. Thank you for your interest in the things that be of God. Quite simply, friends, we should never meet the definition of legalism within churches of Christ to neglect God's love, mercy, and grace through our Lord Jesus Christ. However, we should not sit idly by and be accused of being legalists because we simply obey the commands of our God. 1 John 5.3, this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And John 14.15, if you love me, keep my commandments. So friends, well, if that makes me a legalist, then I will stand with Christ, with John, with Paul, and the Holy Spirit in obedience to God's will. I am mindful of the late David Farr, who, through pen, wrote one time, My faith stands on the grace-given gospel. My obedience is to the grace-given commandments. My redemption rests in the grace-given blood. And my hope holds to the grace-given promises. That may not be inspired, but it's built off of inspiration of Scripture, and to God be the glory. Friends, thank you for joining me for such an important discussion today, and we'll continue our studies together at another time. As always, thank you for joining me today on the International Gospel Hour broadcast. I'm Jeff Archie, and friends, keep listening. Thank you for listening today. May this study prompt your search of God's Word for His will in your life. To assist you in your study or to listen to other programs, please visit our website at internationalgospelhour.com to God be the glory.